0: Hi, my name is Tyler Veek. I'm a scholarly communications librarian at Liberty University. I also teach in the LU online program. However, I'm not an attorney and I'm not here to give you legal advice. I I just want to give you some uh, guidance and some tips on using copyrighted works in an online environment. I'm going to talk about uh, briefly go over copyright, and then I'm going to talk about the specific use of course materials in, in face-to-face, and then dwell on uh, the, the online environment in particular. Well, why is copyright important? Why should we care about this? Well, the obvious answer to that is that it's the law; we're we're required to do this. Uh, nevertheless, most people don't pay any attention to it. Uh, the other thing is that the uh, the digital age has has complicated and, and dramatically increased the amount of, of uh, copyright works that people are interacting with on a daily basis and in the classroom environment. Uh, prior to this, uh, it was pretty much just print works and occasional use of films or, or images. But as you can see, anytime you look at the internet, people uh, engage with, with music and pictures and other types of media. Uh, so students coming into uh, your classroom today are, are, are digital natives. They were born into the age of the uh, internet, and they've been interacting with it for many years by the time they get to your classroom. And they've developed a lot of bad habits along the way. So it's incumbent upon us as educators to help them understand what the law is and how to properly use copyrighted materials. But it's also important that as instructors, we use copyrighted materials in a proper way as well. So what is a copyrighted work exactly? Well, it needs to, to meet four uh, criteria. It needs to be original. There needs to be a, a, an originality to it, not a copy of something that's already been done. It needs to be creative. There needs to be an element of novelty to it, a creativity to the work. The work needs to be authored either by one or multiple individuals. Examples of this can be a, a literary work, a musical work, a, a play, a film, uh, pictures, anything that has a, a person or, or people behind it that created it. And finally, the, thing, the work must be uh, fixed in a tangible media uh, of expression. So these are the four factors that are necessary for it to be considered copyright. There are also some things that are not copyright or not not, uh, applicable to copyright law, and those are facts and ideas, uh, things like processes, methods, systems, and procedures. Such things would typically fall under patent law. Uh, other things that are not copyrighted are, are works by the, the federal government, um, constitution and laws of the state government, and lastly, works that are in the public domain. And works in the public domain are, are beneficial f- for you, especially as educators, because it allows you to use, freely use these works without worrying about copyright. The copyright has expired on these works, and you'll find many of these works available online Uh, For example, uh, classic works in fiction are available Older older translations. I want to dispel a few myths here. Uh, The first is that everything on the the web can be used without permission. Um, Again, especially the generation that's coming into college now has worked with the Internet and don't think anything about uh, copyright at all. So they tend to think, since it doesn't say you can't use it, that you can use it, and that's not the case. Unless it specifically says that you can use it, then it is a copyrighted work, and and you must ask permission. The second thing is that educational use is is all fair use. So there are specific educational exemptions that apply, and I'll talk about those in a minute. But you can't do anything you want to just because you're doing it in an educational use. And thirdly, uh, just because a, a publication does not have a copyright notice on it does not mean that it's in the public domain. Many years ago, that was the case. A Work had to have a copyright notice, the copyright symbol, and the date had to be on there, or it wasn't subject to copyright. But that's no longer the case and hasn't been for many years. There are four major exceptions to copyright law. The first is referred to as the first sale doctrine. It's what allows libraries to lend and borrow books uh, in the library setting. Uh, The second exception is uh, for libraries and archives, there's a, a set of exceptions that they can use so that they can do the work in libraries and work with copyrighted materials, do interlibrary loan and things of that nature. And the last two are are education and fair use, and those are the two that I'll focus on here. Let's begin with the use of text materials in a face-to-face classroom environment. You're permitted to to, copy, uh, um, to make multiple copies in a classroom environment as long as you don't exceed the number of students in your class. However, you need to meet uh, several requirements. First, you must meet the test of brevity and spontaneity. By brevity, it means uh, how long you use the work. And typically, in the, in the uh, classroom environment, higher, higher education, we mean one semester. Uh, by brevity, the amount of time. If you want to use it beyond one semester, then you need to seek permission to use that. By spontaneity, it means that you didn't plan this a year ahead of time and then use it in your classroom. You, a month before maybe you decided to, you found an article that you wanted to use and you decided to use it, and so the idea is you don't really have time to obtain permission, so you're, you can go ahead and use it in your classroom. The second test that you need to meet is the cumulative effect. What is the the economic uh, impact of using this? Is it going to seriously damage another company, take away uh, revenue from another company or person by using this in your classroom? And lastly, you, you need to be sure and include a copyright notice on all copies that you make. I can't stress this enough. Now, I'm switching to the the online environment. The same requirements apply to the online environment. that apply to -to face-to-face in terms of text material. Many people think because it's it's password protected, they're using the Blackboard environment, that it's okay to put anything they want to on there, and that's not the case. You must comply with the, the... Uh, stipulations that I just discussed. Now turning to the use of non-text media, uh, there are two options that you can appeal to to use copyrighted works, and the first is what we call the TEACH Act, and the second is Fair Use, and I'll discuss those two in order. First, the TEACH Act. (coughs) The TEACH Act was uh, made law in 2002 And the the impetus behind it was the the growing uh, demand for online education uh, necessitated uh, that laws be developed to address that environment. Uh, Before that, the laws that I just discussed applied only to -to face-to-face teaching, and there really were no exemptions for the online environment. So that's what uh, the Teach TEACH Act was developed for. But there are, there are some significant differences that you need to be aware of. For example, in a classroom environment, you can, you can show visual works in their entirety, such as films. But in, a, in an online environment, you can only show reasonable and limited portions of it. So you need to be aware of these differences. And the third thing that you need to know about the TEACH Act is that there are institutional requirements so wherever you may be teaching, it's not just about you, but it's about what your institution has done to fulfill these requirements. And so you need to make sure that your institution complies with the TEACH Act before you attempt to appropriate it. OK, there, there are three provisions uh, for the, the, the uh, T- TEACH Act that, uh, that address the different media. With regard to audio, you're allowed to transmit all non-dramatic literary and musical works in their entirety. So you could, for example, you could play the, uh, a recording of a, a poetry reading, but you could not play an entire play because that would be a dramatic work. You could play the performance of a song, but you could not play a music video in its entirety. With regard to video, you can, you can transmit what they referred to as reasonable and limited portions of the work. So you cannot show a, a film in its entirety online, but you can show excerpts or clips from it. With regard to still images, you can use the, the, those in the same way that you would use them in a face-to-face environment. So whatever exemptions apply for the face-to-face environment, you can use those for an online environment with regard to still, still images, artwork, pictures, for, for example. <clears throat> uh, to use the TEACH Act, it's, it's important that, that you use the, the works in, within the cons- confines of the in, in instructional activity and the, the teaching content of the course. So you're following a curriculum, you're following a, a syllabus, well that whatever you're using needs to fit in with what, whatever you're you're using for the course in that way. It can't be something totally aside. The other thing is that it needs to be technologically limited to the students in your class. Uh, a course management system like Blackboard would provide that if it was pre- password protected. It, the point is, it can't just be freely available on the web for everyone to access. Now, the TEACH Act is is uh, somewhat complicated, and I, I've just mentioned some of the requirements for you as an individual, but it also applies uh, to the institution. So because of these complexities, many people just suggest using fair use. And there are advantages to, to doing that. Uh, but there are also some problems as well, as I'll discuss. Fair use is is a has long been an exemption for using copyrighted material. It's what allows, for example, taking a a portion of a, a work and feeding it into another work, and and using it in that work in a derivative work, uh, or taking clips from films. Um, but. To meet the, the fair use requirements, it's necessary to meet what they call the four, u- four factors of fair use. The first factor is, is uh, and I'll frame these in terms of question, what is the character of the work? Is it more towards a, an educational and non, non-profit use or is it more for a commercial use? If it's more towards a non, non-profit, then that would definitely s- tilt the balance towards fair use. If you're making money off of it, more likely not fair use. The second question is, what are the, is the nature of the work? Is it more factual? Is, is it published and established? Or is it unpublished and imaginative? Think of like works of of, of fiction versus some sort of uh, statistical document, uh, nonfiction work. So a creative works is like that. Or, or would tend towards the non fair use the third thing is as the amount and substantiality of of the work that you 're using, uh, this is not cut and dried, but the less that you use tilts the balance in favor of fair use so for example, maybe you could you could use a a chapter of a book, but certainly not half of a book. Uh, but the other uh, other part of that is, is that uh, is the net, it goes back to these other things like the nature of the work and the and the uh, character of it, and the fourth factor is the effect that this has on the, that your use has on the marketplace, and the potential for taking revenue from someone else. So that that's uh, the, the fair use. So you would kind of do an analysis to do that. Now I want to conclude by by uh, making some suggestions to just get around using a uh, copyright resource or having to address these issues in the way I've discussed. and You can do that by linking directly to websites uh, through Blackboard or whatever you're using. Once you link to another site, the burden falls on them to be in copyright compliance. You can use what we refer to as persistent links in libraries. You can access licensed materials in the library databases with these persistent links. <clears throat> the third thing is that you can use open access uh, articles or databases. Many scholarly uh, materials are now available online and freely accessible. Uh, that They weren't before so if you can access those and make, create links to them, you're safe doing that as well. And finally, there are what is referred to as creative common licenses. There's a little uh, logo, which will be on my PowerPoint, that w- is, on, is on many websites now that stipulates how the materials on their website can be used. For example, uh, they can be used for non-commercial use, for nonprofit use. Um, and that way, you don't ha- even have to worry about asking permission. It, it just tells you right there this concludes my my discussion of this issue and I'm also going to provide you with a a link to our copyright website uh, here at Liberty University that will have lots of other resources available for you and cover the things that I've talked about as well in more detail. Thank you for your time.